All right, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. I want to talk to you this morning about broken minds and Jesus, the healer of broken minds. And I love this passage because, you know, how many of you know, if, if God can do the extreme stuff, then the minor stuff is a piece of cake. In other words, how many of you believe Jesus can raise dead people to life? Then how many of you know a hangnail, getting a hangnail healed is relatively easy? You all with me? I mean, if you got a pain in your back and, and you know Jesus can heal of cancer, then the pain in your back is not that big of a deal. How about this? If you're dealing with a little bit of stress or anxiety this morning, isn't it good to know that Jesus has already healed a man who's a, a madman who's completely out of his mind and demonized? And if Jesus can heal somebody whose mind is completely broken and oppressed, then how many of you know God can heal our minds and he can deal with the oppression side of us? So take a look here. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. As soon as they, meaning Jesus and his disciples, stepped ashore on the eastern side of the lake in the land of the Gerasenes, the disciples were confronted by a demon-possessed madman from a nearby town. How many of you know if you pulled up on shore and that's what greeted you, you might be tempted to say, hey, Jesus, can we just go down a couple blocks? Um, Because we're going to see the description of this madman next. Demon-possessed madman. Many times this guy had been put under guard, bound with chains. But repeatedly, the many demons inside of him had thrown him into convulsions, breaking his shackles, driving him out of the town into the countryside. He had been demonized for a long time and was living naked in a cemetery among the tombs. Catch the scene. You're coming up on a nice ministry assignment with Jesus. You're thinking it's going to be great. Maybe multiply a few loaves and fishes. That was cool. Uh, and all of a sudden, a naked guy, probably wild-haired, unshaven, filthy, dirty, comes running at you like you're playing the zombie game. Anybody play the zombie game on your um, PS4 or whatever? What is that called? Uh, anyway, forget it. Um, I used to play it with my kids, and the zombies at each level got more and more, and they were chasing after you, and I always got nervous, and then I ran in circles, and they ate me, and oh, anyway, it was bad. But this guy looks like, like probably he's, he's, he's crazed. He's out of his mind, naked, stinky, and running at you uh, like he's going to do you harm. That was how they were greeted on one day of ministry with Jesus in the park, okay? And what happens is, the Bible says, as this guy was running, that Jesus spoke to that demon, uh, and something radical happened. But before I get there to the radical that happened, let me just talk about this for a minute. Sometimes in our sophisticated American culture, we actually look upon the demonic like, I'm glad we're more sophisticated and scientific than that. We realize now that he probably didn't have demons. He, he probably had this condition or that condition or he had this psychological diagnosis. And we're more sophisticated now than those prehistoric Bible days, right? Uh, we're, we're farther along. We're more educated. How many of you know we, sometimes we educate ourselves into imbecility, all right? We, we become dumber and dumber the more we ignore the reality of the demonic. Let me just share something with you. In some of your Bibles, there's unfortunate translation because anytime it talks about demons, it uses the word possession. And a lot of Christians believe this. Well, Christians cannot be possessed because the Holy Spirit lives within us and you can't have a demon and the Holy Spirit. Or you think of possession like that guy, okay? Um, but that's not what the word means in the Greek. And let me highlight this for you. If you went out and you bought a house, okay, you bought a house, and, uh, and that house was filthy on the inside, and you opened up the front door, and when you opened up the front door and flipped on the light switch, cockroaches scattered everywhere. 
Would you accurately be able to say that house was infested with cockroaches? Okay. Now, what if you opened up the door, turned on the lights, looks good, but you walk in the kitchen and you flip on the kitchen light and there's cockroaches? Would you still say that the house is infested? Yeah, it is. It's just to a lesser degree. What if you lived in the house for a year and on the 365th day you saw a cockroach run across the floor? Would you still say that the house is infested with a, with a cockroach? So the point is there are varying degrees of infestation. That makes sense? When you're born again and your spirit is made alive, you now belong to the Lord. And guess what he begins to do with the house? He's here to clean house. You're saved, but you're not clean. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you know when you got born again, instantly you didn't get a, a Bible app download in your brain to where you never had to read the Bible. You just knew all the verses. Did you? Did you? No, no, no. What do you have to do? you got to study like crazy. Right? Because what are you trying to do? You're trying to renew your mind. But I thought you're saved. Oh, yeah, you are saved. Your spirit's born again. But your mind has to be renewed. What about all that life you used to live before Jesus? What about all the hurts? What about all the stuff you did? What about all the doors you opened? What about all the sinful stuff that happened before Jesus? Does that just disappear? Well, the penalty of it disappears. Right? Jesus paid it all. But you've got to walk through getting free from the effects. So check this out. Jesus owns the papers to the house. It's his house. And he walks in and he opens up the door to, to my life and he goes, Whoa, we got some work to do here. We got some cleaning up to do. It doesn't mean I'm not saved. It doesn't mean I'm not born again. It doesn't mean I'm not full of the Holy Spirit. It means that the owner of the house just showed up and there's some, there's some messes to clean up. Now, none of us should freak out about this. None of us should be surprised about this. In fact, if you've always been taught that ever since you got born again, you're clean, you're good to go, you don't need any cleaning up, then I'm just telling you, that's probably the devil that's been whispering that in your ear, not God or the Bible. Because it's kind of, it's kind of arrogant to suggest that as soon as we just say yes to the Lord, all of our problems just disappear and we're just perfect people. Come on. Is anybody married? I mean, my spouse can tell, my wife can let me know. As soon as I got saved, I did not become perfect. She's helping me become perfect. God puts people in your life that help show you, oh, you have a few cockroaches. I just flipped the light on. I saw a few that just scurried over there. Yeah, we still got a few critters. We still got some cockroaches. We still got some stuff that maybe needs to be addressed. So this man was, this man's house, let's, let's not be mistaken here. This man's house, chock full of cockroaches, all right, if we're using that illustration. Naked, homeless, living in a cemetery among dead people. But here's a question I want to ask you. How did all that happen? You know, sometimes we can look at people that are really broken and really hurt or maybe really twisted in their minds and we're almost, you know, hands off or we're a little bit, afraid of those types of people or getting engaged with those type of people. But here's a question I want to ask you. Nobody's born that way. And you know, the longer you're around in ministry and you take time to talk to people and you say, hey, tell me your story, guess what? You find that we live in a really sick world where horrible things happen to people. I'm just telling you, I don't know what happened to that guy's life, but I bet he was really mistreated. I bet he was really rejected. I bet things were done to him that opened the door to all kinds of demonic involvement. Um, and this is a man, listen to me, this is a man for whom Jesus Christ died. 
And this is somebody made in the image of God. This is somebody precious to the Lord. I just want to remind us that even in this sinful, wicked, fallen world, no matter how demonized somebody gets, no matter how twisted, how perverted, uh, there has to be still something of hope in our heart that that person is still somebody made in the image and likeness of God and somebody for whom Jesus Christ shed his blood and somebody that God still has the power to heal whatever is broken and fix them. You all believe that with me? So there's compassion. There's compassion for people. And we bear with people and we love people. And we realize if we could take the time to hear a person's story, it reveals so much about why they are the way that they are. That's what keeps us low. That's what keeps us broken. That's what keeps us tender. Um, And I just want to say this. You know, those disciples, they get out with Jesus. This guy's running. Um, Jesus speaks the word. And here's something else I just got to highlight. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. When every time Jesus shows up and he is the light of the world, he's the switch that goes on in the dark room. Not a demon that he ever encounters can stay hidden. Isn't it beautiful? The demon starts freaking out. The demon inside this man starts shrieking, Jesus, son of God. He calls him by name. He knows who he is. He knows his power. He calls Jesus by name. And all the demons know who Jesus is. They all fear for what's about to happen to them. And they beg Jesus, don't put us in the bottomless pit. Don't send us to the bottomless pit. They're begging him because demons are just disembodied spirits. All right, disembodied spirits. They're looking for a place to hang out. People say, well, can a Christian have a demon? Christians can have whatever they want. They're looking for a place to hang out. And after begging Jesus, please, please, they have a great suggestion. There's a herd of pigs on the side of the hill. And they say to Jesus, can you send us into those pigs? And I love it because the Bible, with just one word, two letters, Jesus says, go. And and those demons, like they, they, Jesus asked the name, remember, and they said legion, because there are many of us. A legion of, of Greek soldiers, Roman soldiers, uh, would have been over 6,000 soldiers. This man was infested with demonic influence, all right? Jesus says, go, you know the story. It must have been dramatic. Instantly, this herd becomes crazed, and they start making noises, and they start freaking out. And these pigs, all in unison, race down the steep hill into the water where they're drowned. Everybody's freaking out. What in the world just happened? The herdsmen take off running for the city. They're like, get me out of here. And they do what, what every one of us would do. Everybody they run into along the way, they're telling you, you won't even believe what just happened. And check this out. Down a little bit farther. Verse 35, I want to pick up the story. When they came to where Jesus was, they discovered the notorious madman, not just a run-of-the-mill madman, a notorious madman, totally set free. Look at this. He was clothed. He was speaking intelligently in his right mind, saying he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and they were shocked. Then eyewitnesses to the miracle reported all that they had seen and how the demonized man was completely delivered from his torment. Notice this. Notorious madman, completely free. Once naked, fully clothed. Once speaking uh, crazy, mumbo-jumbo, demonized, now he's speaking intelligently. He's normal, and he's at peace. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus, at rest. And he's completely delivered from his torment. How many of you know, when somebody is demonized, it's not unusual that they have superhuman strength. 
This man had been chained by authorities, trying to be brought under control, and the demons within him were so powerful that he broke out of the chains. This is supernatural demonic power and strength. This man was uncontrollable. And I want you to know, this is what Satan loves to do in our lives. And, and please hear me here. Sometimes you're like, Pastor, why are, you, why are you preaching on this crazy, notorious madman running around naked? Certainly you're not trying to apply that to me. Well, I'm looking around. Most of you look relatively at peace. No one's naked here this morning, thank God. Um, you're all sitting here peacefully and, and somewhat your right mind. I'm, so here's the deal. Some of you, you know, when you get ready to do an altar call after a message like this for ministry, it's like people going, I ain't going up there. They're going to think I run around naked and, and I'm crazy or whatever. No, that's not what we're saying. I'm giving you the extreme. Check this out. If Jesus, if Jesus can do this to a man under that condition and restore him as a perfectly healed, whole, peaceful, fully clothed, in his right mind, man, then how many of you know there's hope for us? Because here's my point. There are some of you here today that are oppressed. I mean, it was a few months ago when we prayed up here for a man who said, you know, Pastor, I, I have been dealing with suicidal thoughts. I just, I, I'm so depressed. I just want to kill, kill myself. How many of you know that's not the Holy Spirit? I'm just trying to help you out. That's not the Holy Spirit. What is that? That's demonic. That is oppression. There are people in here that live under grief. I prayed for a woman at the altar this morning who had had a, a grief pocket in her heart that she held on to for 42 years. That is not normal grieving process, all right? Um, she got healed of that this morning. God set her free from that pocket this morning. Amen. Here's the deal. If you're dealing with paying bills, raising kids, stress at work, to some level, you are oppressed. If you've had some sleepless nights because you got, you woke up and your mind started running and you started thinking about how you were going to deal with whatever, at some level, you're oppressed. I'm not saying you're demonized. I'm not saying you're a madman or a madwoman. I'm saying Jesus came to set the oppressed free because his goal is that there be peace and that we be in our right minds, literally, in our right minds before God, according to his word, all right? And the promises of God as our stronghold. So check this out. The thing I love about Jesus is this was not an abnormal experience for him. I'm trying to build your faith for even this morning. Look at Acts 10.38 with me. Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with great power, greater power than the devil. And he did wonderful things for others and divinely healed all who were under the tyranny or the oppression of the devil. That word devil in the Greek literally means slanderer or liar. I'm going to give you some help here. The ladies that are at the women's encounter probably just did this session last night. I'm just going to give you a quick overview. Some of the men might have already experienced this, but it's good to be reminded of these things. How? Here's the question. How in the world does a normal human being open the door to demonic encounters or demonic oppression. How do we do that? In other words, it just doesn't happen by accident. There's a process involved. Let me tell you three things that Satan likes to use as weapons against us. The first one is deception. How many of you know Satan's a liar? And if he can get you to believe a lie, a stronghold will begin to form in your mind. Now listen to me because we're all subject to this. There's two areas where we form strongholds. The first is we listen to his lies about God Almighty. Some of you in this room, you believe this lie. God's not for me. God doesn't love me. God doesn't see what's going on. 
Um, I can't trust God. God cares about other people. He doesn't care about me. Where, what voice is that? The enemy. And you know what? Some people go, you know what? Here's what the devil's looking for. Agreement. There's power in agreement. So when he's talking to you like that, whispering in your ear all the lies about God's character, you need to say, get lost in Jesus' name. I'm not listening to you. And you need to be able to replace what he just said with the truth. Which, which, listen to me, this is why the knowledge of God is important because Satan's number one target is to lie to you about God. Have anybody in this room besides me ever, ever heard the whisper of a lie about God in your head? All right? All right? I'm just telling you, this is his common strategy. And this is spiritual warfare. I'm having a discussion with somebody. I'm not talking to myself. That thought didn't come from me. That thought, that thought came from somewhere, and I'm, I'm having to entertain it or, or pull it down. Let me tell you another area that he brings deception in your view of yourself. You can't do that. Other Christians can. You can't. You can't read the Bible. You can't understand the Bible. You're never going to amount to anything. Blah, 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 blah. When you start listening to lies about, about, and contrary to what God has said, you start to, you start to allow deception to come over your life. Let me tell you how it works in the church. Pastor Ron doesn't have any time for me. This church is just, you know, you know, it's getting too big. Uh, those you can't trust the pastors. They don't care about you. Where's all that garbage coming from? Nobody, you know, I, I I missed church two weeks and nobody called me. Nobody here cares about me. I'm telling you, this happens all the time. And what happened? Then people get offended. Oh, I left that church. You might still be offended about the church you were at before you came here. I'm just telling you, stop listening to that garbage. Sometimes Satan works, speaks these things through other people. They do, they do a great job talking on behalf of the devil. Talk about deception. When one of those people gets together with one who's listening, you got major deception going on, and people don't even know what came over them. It's like a spell. Deception. The other thing that, that Satan does to us is he accuses us. He just beats us down. I prayed for a dear woman this morning. She's got a husband who's unsaved, and he's full of anger and, and speaks things over her that just aren't true. This woman looks beat down. I mean, you know, Satan constantly tells you you're no good, you're a loser. What does he use for ammunition? Your past. He beats you up with guilt. He beats you up with shame. Every time you weren't perfect, right? He reminds you, well, can I just put us all on the same level ground at the foot of the cross? We're all messed up in this room. There's not a one of us that's perfect in this room. Every one of us has cockroaches. If we turn enough lights on, they'll come out. Trust me. We don't need the devil to remind us of our past. We need to remind the devil of his future. That, that's the secret. We need a point. Every time the devil says, why are you going to church? You're a hypocrite. He said, thank God Jesus died for hypocrites like me. You know, Satan, Jesus, Jesus shed his blood to cover all of my hypocrisy. And he's in the process of making me true. Every time the accuser comes to point his finger at you, remind him of what Jesus died for. Don't argue with him. Oh, you're this. You are so right. 
I was that for so many years, but thank you. Now I'm covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. I, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've been forgiven. My sins are separated as far as the east is from the west. Thank you, Satan, for reminding me of my past so that I can remind you of all that Jesus has done for you. Oh, and by the way, can I remind you of your future? Just, re- just when that goes on in your ears, just say, Satan, can I re- remind you of your future? You'll find that he gets quiet real quick. See, we have to learn to fight back, but he accuses us. The next one's really important. It's called temptation. I want you to picture yourself. Here you are, full of the Holy Spirit, lover of Jesus Christ. Satan comes knocking on your door. He's got some stuff he wants to sell you. And sin, here's the deal. Sin is always, if you'll do this, it'll be better than whatever God has for you. Whatever God's plan is, whatever God's word says, if you'll do this, it's better than all that stuff. Because that stuff doesn't really work. It doesn't work for you. It's not that good. Sin is always the biggest lie from the satanic salesperson knocking on your door who wants you to open the door. Because as soon as you bite on it, you just welcome them in. I made the mistake one time of letting some guy come to my house with no appointment to show me a vacuum cleaner. I told Marion, this will never happen again. Next thing I know, the guy's dumping stuff on my carpet to show me how it cleans up. He's telling me how unsanitary my mattresses really are and how much yuck is in my mattresses. I'm like, dude, just get out of my house. I don't really want to know all this stuff. Satan's like the guy wanting to sell you the vacuum cleaner. He's got all kinds of stuff he wants to dump on your carpet. He's got all kinds of stuff he wants to bring in and sell you. Sin always opens the door to the enemy in your life. I'm not saying as soon as you sin, all of a sudden you have demons living inside you. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying this. It's literally, literally like opening the door and inviting the influence of the enemy into your life. Why are we messed up? Sin. Because at the root of sin is idolatry because idolatry basically says, I'm going to worship whatever Satan offers as better, as more pleasing, as more satisfying than God himself. Let me give you some open doors. Number one, we mentioned sin Oh, disobedience. If you're living in a disobedient lifestyle, you're welcoming the enemy in your life. Listen, if you're wondering, why isn't God working in my life? I have a good suggestion. Probably because your life is full of compromise. Stop the sin. Stop sinning. Stop living the way you're living. Stop thinking the way you're thinking. How in the world do you expect God to start working in your life when you're full of compromise? Man, it's quiet in here. Number two, unforgiveness. How many of you know unforgiveness is not an option? If you are in this room this morning and you're wanting to walk in the favor of God and you have unforgiveness in your heart, let's just call it a better word, hatred, resentment, bitterness, and you want the favor of God on your life, it isn't happening. It's like taking a garden hose on a hot summer day and Andy's out there watering his flowers and all of a sudden it stops. You know, at my house, that meant one of my kids was playing a joke on me. What they do? They crimp the garden hose. Guess what? There you are, you and the Holy Spirit. Woohoo! You're just watering the river of God. We sang about it. It's flowing out of you. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, you got nothing but a drip. What happened? You quenched the Holy Spirit. How'd you quench the Holy Spirit? Disobedience, unforgiveness, bitterness. In fact, let me just tell you this. How many of you, I'm raising my hand. I'll raise both hands because I've got an extra anointing on this. How many of you have been raised... In the middle of night, you awaken, and your mind starts running, and you start getting angry. That no good, blankety-blank, I can't believe that they did that. 
And guess what? It's like the dog chasing its tail. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, he, and here's what you do. You're like a fish in bed. And the reason you can't sleep is you are mad. And you got the video going in your mind. And I don't know about you, I preach some incredible sermons to other people in my sleep. Or, and I, I'm like, man, that was really good. No, I was like demonically inspired. I mean, it was so good. I was so anointed. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. I was rehearsing what I would say to that person if I could just get my hands around their neck. I mean, if I could just get in their presence. I mean, you know, that torments you. Because here's what happens. What happens when you're up all night and you can't sleep? What happens the next morning? Are you Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky? No! You're mad at everybody. You kick the dog. You're mad at everybody. You're tired. You're stressed out. You're not sleeping. You go to work. Ah, oh, you vomit on everybody at work. And then, oh, now they're going to fire you. Oh, they're going to fire me. And I can't pay the bill. I mean, what ha- things start piling up. And what happens? Oppression, 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 oppression. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You cannot walk in the favor of God if you have anger and bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. In fact, the Bible says this. Jesus said, I can't forgive you of your sins if you won't forgive other people. Isn't that amazing? God, what is one thing God can't do? He cannot forgive the unforgivable in our hearts. If you're not going to forgive others, he can't forgive you. This, this should scare us. Anybody in this room besides me need forgiveness this morning? So I have to constantly let the Lord weed my heart. And here's what you do. If somebody's coming in your mind, you just say, Lord, I just choose to release that brother, that sister. Lord, I bless them. God, help me to love them. And very quickly, you grab it, that thought, you release it to the Lord, and you move on. This is a process. It's a process. If it comes in your mind, it just means you scared out another cockroach. What do you do? Kill that sucker. And then you move on. All right, let me get to some more here, because I want us to get us free this morning. Addictions. How many of you know every addiction starts with a choice? And the choice is an, is an idolatrous choice because the choice is you just believe the lie that whatever addicted thing, whether it's drugs or alcohol or, or whatever, whatever that addicting thing is going to give you more satisfaction and more healing than Jesus can deliver. How many of you know that is a lie from the pit of hell? I don't have time to dwell there. I've got to keep moving. Curses and vows, number four. Some of you have had words, word curses spoken over your life. Some of you have spoken word curses over your life. A father who said, you're never going to amount to anything. You're stupid. You're this. You're not, you know, gave you basically a big loser curse over your life. Or maybe you've said the same things over your life. Sexual sin. Let me just touch on it this morning. People that have been highly promiscuous, maybe has been involved in premarital relationships, adulterous relationships, pornographic relationships, virtual, um, you've been involved in homosexual things, um, whatever the, whatever the connection has been, when you connect with somebody sexually, it is far more than a physical act. It is the joining of body, soul, and spirit. In fact, you become one flesh with those people, and there's a soul tie that's formed with those people. That's why sexual sin is nothing to mess with. Sexual sin actually opens the door to the demonic in your life. I know this is totally unpopular in this American free love culture, but you also cannot walk in the blessing of God on your life if you're living in sexual sin. 
because sexual sin at its root is idolatry. It says that whatever I'm gaining in terms of pleasure from this illicit relationship is more precious to me than my relationship with Jesus and what I receive out of the context of that relationship. It also says God's stupid. He doesn't know what he's doing, that marriage isn't the only way to to have sexual experience. Um, These are all lies that the devil tells us. But I'm telling you, you can't think that you go out in your BC days and, and sleep around and be very promiscuous and then you get saved and you're good to go. It doesn't work that way. I guarantee you, you've got issues that need to be addressed and cleansed in your heart and in your life that have become somebody and you've got to get delivered and set free from these things. And you can wonder, why do I keep on having a spirit of lust? Why do I keep on dealing with this? I've been married this long. I've been this this long. Why do I keep on having a spirit of lust? Because you open the door to a spirit of lust years before. And guess what? He's ne- that spirit of lust has never been evicted. He's still hanging out. Now, he doesn't show up all the time. He's respectable now. He's a church-going spirit of lust. So he doesn't show up at church, at least not overtly. He's quiet at church, but it's in those other places where it gets stirred up. I know I'm not talking to anybody here. All right, number six, traumatic events like rape, divorce, abortion, rejection, physical abuse. Many times when something traumatic happens, it cracks the door open in our hearts, and many times fear, trauma gets in there, and it becomes a stronghold. Some of you out there, you're like control freaks. Control, 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 control. I, I can tell you right now where that came from. You've been seriously wounded somewhere in your past, and now you don't want to let anything out of your control because you're never going to let that happen again. If you don't get, uh, get a hold of that stronghold, you'll never stop controlling everything. How many of you know when you control everything, you ruin everything? Some people have a spirit of fear, just it grips up. They're constantly, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh, 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 oh. they cross 39 bridges. They're already in the year 2029. What's going to happen? Why are you doing that? That's torment. You're living under torment. The last one is an obvious one, but it's the occult. Every time we open up the door to a false religion or whatever, and we worship a false god, or even as simple, how about the childhood game of Ouija board? Anybody know about that? I had a lady come up to me this morning. She said, you know what, Pastor? They now have Ouija boards in pink for little girls. Isn't, isn't the devil smart? Get you a cute little pink Ouija board where you can start talking to demons and open up your heart to that. I had a teacher friend that went to our church uh, down in central Indiana. We were able to lead him to the Lord. And he said when he was a little boy, he was so lonely, so lonely. His father actually was committed of a sexual crime. His dad was a, was a school teacher as well and went off to jail, and he was left all alone. He said all of a sudden one night, this, he heard this voice talking to him. It was a demonic spirit. He began having a communication with that demonic spirit and, uh, and began getting into fantasy type of scenario with that spirit. And he needed to go through deliverance because that was a familiar spirit. It was a spirit that came alongside him to comfort him, but it was a counterfeit Holy Ghost is what it was. Um, he needed to get set free. I'll tell you one last story. I remember when uh, we were attending another church that didn't believe in any of this at the time, but my mom and dad were ministering to people, and my dad had just led a young man to the Lord at his school system, 16 years old, uh, heavy into LSD. Uh, drugs are a huge open door to the demonic, all right? And, uh, this, and, and we were talking about this young man. I told my dad, I said, Dad, was, my mom and dad were in the front seat of our yellow Chevy Chevette. And uh, I still remember to this day, I said, Dad, I don't know what I would do if I was ever praying for somebody and a, a demon manifested. That would freak me out. 
And my dad just brushed it off. He said, son, you don't have to worry about that. If you're ever in that situation, the Lord will absolutely be there with you. Uh, kind of like, no problem. You, you got this. You and the Holy Ghost got this. Would you believe that night, while mom and dad are ministering to people upstairs, I had this hodgepodge room full of everybody from elementary school kids all the way up to high school kids and, and we're trying to have worship and I'm trying to teach the Bible and it, it's in you know my grandma's little apartment down there and during the worship I just opened up my eyes and I looked over on the couch and that young man who had just received the Lord earlier that week was sitting on the couch and all I can tell you is he had this demonic smirk on his face it just looked like an impish grin you know what I'm talking about it but it was it, it was not him it was demonic and I don't know how to explain it but inside of me the anger of God rose up it was just like, you are not going to be messing with this young man who just surrendered his life to Christ. And I said, like a principal, I said, Ricky, we need to go out in the hallway. So we went out in the hallway. Here's this whole room full of young people. Here's upstairs, this whole room full of marriages getting ministry. And I walk out in the hall. And when I looked in Ricky's eyes and started to pray for him, I saw eyes looking back at me that were not his eyes. It was eyes behind his eyes. I don't know how to explain it. But it was the presence of the demonic and that demon started manifesting and mocking what I was praying. And, and instead of freaking out, like the sense of holy boldness came over me, like, who do you think you're messing with? Do you know that the Holy Spirit of the living God is present here in the blood of Jesus? And anyway, my mom and dad came running down. Actually, my dad was some men. He said, I think my son needs a little help down there because it was getting kind of loud. Two couples that were upstairs getting marriage counseling freaked out and ran out the back door. And, and they called later. And this is what they said. We don't know Jesus. And we didn't want to be around there with all that going on because we were afraid those spirits might find us. Now, guess what happened? They both got led to Christ that night. Guess what happened when I opened up the youth ministry door? Grandma's, a, grandma's place and all the normal teens that are like... Oh, no, they're not like this. Right outside the door, they just heard deliverance taking place. You know what they're doing? Oh, Jesus, we love you. Oh, we worship you. Oh, because all of a sudden, this, this, is, this isn't some game. Somebody that just opened the door to mega drugs just invited in a whole host of critters and was getting delivered, and it wasn't a game at that point. It was the most real thing in the world. In fact, I'd love to see more deliverance because there's nothing like seeing a demonic manifestation to wake us out of our slumber and to let us know that this is absolutely real. Our salvation is real. What Jesus did on the cross was real. The blood is real. The power of God is real. And listen, sin is real, and you don't want to play around with sin and keep swinging the door open and inviting the enemy into your life. Am I, am I helping you out this morning? Hey, being clean is fun. Being free is fun. Not being oppressed in your mind or in your body is fun. Doing it God's way is fun. Let's not open the door to this kind of nonsense in our life. Here's what I want to do, just for the sake of time, because I want to be, I want to honor your, your all's time as well. We're going to, I want the worship team to come up here and we're going to worship our way out of here today. I'm going to, I'm going to pray and if you need to run, I, I bless you and I release you in Jesus name. Have a great week. Marriage classes at four o'clock. But this is what I really want to encourage you. If you came in here today and there is just a spirit of heaviness resting on you, pastor, what do you mean by that? I mean, you wake up in the morning and you just feel under it. You come to church and you just feel heavy. Uh, you might be dealing with discouragement, with despair. So there might be somebody in here today. I mean, you've thought about taking your life. You just, you just feel like your life is hopeless. That is oppression. 
There might be people in here that maybe you've got some of those open doors I talked about. Listen, there, there might be somebody here. I'm just trying to let the Holy Spirit lead. There might be somebody here that on a flash, you erupt in uncontrollable rage, just like from zero to 60. What is that? Or some of you might be saying, you know, there's certain situations where I just feel like I can't control myself. Well, that's because some other power kicks in and is controlling you at that time. Why don't you let Jesus destroy the other power? Why don't you let Jesus break the chains off of you? You know, no one's naked in here today running around, you know, foaming at the mouth. That's, That's good. But I just want you to know if they were, we got the power to set people like that free. In fact, I want to say this. If a 16-year-old kid who's never done deliverance in his life can pray for somebody and see somebody set free, then guess what? It's not about the 16-year-old. It's not about you. It's about who lives in you. And I'm just telling you the ministry of Jesus is your ministry and my ministry. Who's supposed to set the captives free? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are. Just tell them that, all right? <laughs> Somebody's like, what? Me? Yes, you. But guess what? You can't set people free until you first get free, which is what we want to do. So hop to your feet. We love you. Jesus loves you. He's so gentle. He's so personal. He's so kind. But he's so powerful. I'm going to have Hannah lead us in, prayer, or lead us in worship, but I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord, all over this place... I don't know everybody's story, but you do. And Lord, your love is like a banner over us this morning, like a big waterfall of of love and affection. And Lord, I don't know what people came in here with, but I know that they can come out with a whole lot less of the enemy and a whole lot more of you on their lives. And so Lord, I just pray right now that you'd speak to hearts all across this place. I'd love for our pastors and our elders to come up front. We just want to agree in prayer for you. We just want to pray over you. If there's been any kind of just oppression or hardship, or maybe there's been pockets again of of unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness. I don't know what's going on. Maybe you've had some involvement in the past with, with the occult and you've never renounced it. I don't know what your area is. Maybe there's been addiction or things like that. I don't know what it is, but we got to confess it and bring it to the Lord and, and, and stop empowering and giving legal authority to the, to the enemy to come into that area of our lives. So we want to pray for you, and we want to see God set you free. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, bless our people. Bless those that have to leave. Let us have an amazing week living for you and loving people. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, if you need prayer, slip on out of your seat. At any time, we're just going to worship. If you want to stay and just worship the Lord, feel free to do that. But we love you.